in our second week in, of a five-part series. Of course, five Sundays in January. This is the first month, and uh, it just seems so appropriate. Just as I began to pray about and looking out, out, out at the year to come, and what we were going to, to, to look at, it was this uh, idea of getting first things first and getting all of that in place. And so if you open up your notes and you just kind of follow along, got some fill in the blanks there to make it easy for you. And uh, here we are. This is our launching idea. And here in the first month of the year, we want to make sure that we put first things first. And we talked about last week that all things that create life, that genuinely are life-giving, they, they start with God. Since everything that is life-giving begins with God, then it makes sense that we, would fir- that we would seek Him first. It totally makes sense that if everything that's life-giving begins right there, then ultimately, then we need to seek Him first because we have to make sure that our minds are set on what genuinely produces life and not just what we may want in the moment. Okay? And most of us, when we come to this place of, of the first of the year, we have these these New Year's resolutions, we have these different things that we want to do, whether it's we want to be better fit, then usually it's okay, we're gonna, there's something we're going to have to not do in the moment. We're going to have to do something that's a little more life-focused. If we want to save more, there's something we have to not do in the heat of the moment, and we have to do something with a plan and a vision and a purpose. If we want to spend more time with our families, there's something we have to not do in the heat of the moment, and we have to make sure we do something on purpose and we have to push down what we want and make the life-giving decision well years ago um i had the opportunity to be able to to get my private pilot's license I had access to a little little buzz around plane and i uh, worked on it for about six or seven months finally got to the place where i got to go and and do it take my take my uh my flying uh exam get it all done already done my written Went down, it's a fairly lengthy process. You have to do an oral, and then you have to go up and do all your maneuvers and all this stuff. And I ended up going to Sweetwater and flew this little rental plane over to Sweetwater and are over there and go through it, do all of my stuff, have my oral, do all of everything that's required, and finally it's time to do the flying part. As we get up, we look out on the horizon with with my guy who's giving me my check ride, and there is uh, some ugly looking clouds blowing in so man that ended up really working from to my advantage because he was trying to get through with this and if i just acted like i knew what i was doing on the maneuver he's like that's good and so uh i'm telling you i had so much grace he had, i'd go to make a turn and yeah that's awesome you know what you're doing and uh i mean i just we there was just the fastest check ride ever and just flew through it he's like man i'm gonna try to get you home i want to try to get you home so we go through it there is way more paperwork than i ever dreamed i'm sitting around i'm looking at the sky he finally hands it to me all the paperwork's done i get to fly home from sweetwater a licensed pilot and go home and i look at the skies and i'll check the weather and it is just so borderline it is just so iffy and it's getting dark and i'm i just got my vfr and it was so frustrating because I wanted to fly home. I wanted my wife to be out there with the children, you know, lined up on the runway. Dad comes in on approach. 
I wanted the Top Gun anthem blaring and just come in and, you know, and I said that I have my scarf and everything waving, you know, my aviators and get everything rock and roll. And it just, all my plans just shot because of the weather. And I have to make the life-giving decision to not fly and feel like a fourth grader calling their mother to come and pick them up. And I called my wife and said, babe, it's, it's, the ceilings are too low and I can't fly. I need you to come and get me. So her and Brandon and Angela loaded up and they drove to Sweetwater. And my first decision as a pilot was to not fly. And I tell you what, that just was no fun in the moment. I was so trying to rationalize it and figure out how I could just go ahead and, and make my grand entry and do all that stuff. But it just was not the life-giving decision, the wisdom thing was to not fly. And sure enough, those, those blue in and that plane sat over there for a week. It was IFR conditions for a week. That plane sat over there. They finally got tired of it. They sent somebody to get that plane who can actually fly it in that weather. And I, I never got to fly that plane home. And, uh, but sometimes it's just no fun. You're, you're there. there. There's something that you, you so want to do, but the life-giving decision isn't necessarily what you was hoping for in that moment. It's not what what feels good in the moment but i tell you what that's where the rubber meets the road because what my wife did not want that's the call she wanted to hear is come get me babe she did not want to get some other phone call from some other entity saying that your husband is who knows where and uh, we have to make sure that there's life-giving things that's what god has called us to be as a life-giving people matthew 633 this was part of our reading as we've been started trekking through the bible we just read this if you're reading through the just the new testament portion you read this if you're reading through the entire bible with us this year you read this just a couple of days ago and it says so don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink what shall we wear for the pagans that's a word we don't use a whole lot in our regular society it's just people who are don't know god Okay? It doesn't mean that they you know, you know, drink blood and do all sorts of crazy stuff. No, it's just people who don't know God. Okay? It's just people who are away from God. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these other things would be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. And as I was sitting here looking at this this week and, and just meditating on this first verse, don't, <clears throat> what, don't worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? And I started thinking about the, just the, you know, we're here at the first of the year, the New Year's resolutions people are, you know, either doing well with, or man, you know, January the 3rd, it was already over, it was done. Whoop, that one shot. And uh, wherever you are, you are on, your, on your timeline, most of these New Year's resolutions somehow... These three questions, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear, they, they find their way into all of these different pieces. Of course, the obvious one, health and fitness, right? You know, you have a New Year's resolution for, to be a little more healthy, to be a little more fit and get in shape and ripped and all that fun stuff. And um, anyways, obviously, what shall we eat? You know, what am I going to eat? What's, what's going to help me obtain that? What am I going to drink? We're going to say no to the Coke. And yes to the Diet Coke, and we're going to say no to soda all the way and say yes to water only. What am I going to do? What shall I wear? 
You know, I'm going to lose some weight. What kind of them good-looking skinny jeans am I going to get into, you know? You know, what kind of new shirts am I going to buy? I'm going to look good. I'm going to get me something that hugs my abs. Everybody can see them. And, uh, you know, what am I going to wear? These types of things, they fall into all these areas. Obviously, saving. People want to save. That's a big New Year's resolution this year. I'm a top one, according to some Newsweek, that that's the number one. People want to save and get on a budget. So, obviously, well, what are we going to eat? Well, we're not going to eat out anymore. We're going to eat at home. We're going to brown bag it instead of buying it out. We're going to cook dinner and, and stay, stay together. What are we going to drink? Well, I'm going to forego the trip to Sonic unless Celebration Church gives me a free gift card. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do these different things. And uh, what am I going to wear? Well, I'm going to wear these jeans one more year instead of buying the newest, hottest thing that's out. I'm going to do these different things. Oh, they find their way into here. <clears throat> Debt reduction, the same thing. You know, I'm going I'm to say no to certain things so I can do this. Just enjoying the good life. People decide, I'm, I want to enjoy the good life. Well, what am I going to eat? I want to eat the, at the best restaurants. I'm going to sit there and what am I going to drink? I'm going to have the, the, the best of everything. What am I going to wear? I'm going to have the latest fashion. I'm going to have all this. It falls into every area of life. Even those that just say, well, this year I want to take a trip. I want to take a trip. i tell you what. We decided, the group of us decided we were going to go to Rio Dosa and go skiing over the holidays. We went and it was a great time. But as soon as we said we're going, the next questions were, basically, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? And what are we going to wear? And they just were. There's 19 of us. How are we going to, where are we going to get all of us into a restaurant? Da, 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 da. You know, how are we going to handle this? You know, it's going to be cold. What are we going to wear? Where do I buy the bibs? Where, da, 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 da. They just find their way. And it's not because these questions or have any depth in them by themselves, it's the fact that Jesus used these questions because they're just life stuff. It's the stuff of life. I don't care which direction you go, you can't avoid eating, drinking, and wearing. And it's just those questions and the worrying. That's what he's saying. Is no matter what you're called to pursue, no matter what you have on your mind, whatever goals, you can't get wrapped up in the details and worrying about those things. You have to seek God first. You know, a lot of times people can see that in other areas, but me as a pastor, I have to remember this. You know how easy it is for me to get wrapped up in the process of, the, of making church happen and forget to seek God? I've been in ministry long enough to have been through those seasons of my life where you get so wrapped up in it and you're like, what's about God? How do you miss God in doing God? Well, people do it all the time. You get looking at the details instead of looking at what we're really called to do, which is seek Him first. That is what this is completely about. See, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I love it that here, in, this is in chapter 5, it says, Hunger and thirst for righteousness. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Righteousness. What God says is right. That's what we're going to choose to be full on. That's what we're going to choose to pack into our lives. That's what we're going to choose to carry around in our thermos with us everywhere we go. We're going to whatever God says is the right thing for my life. I want to begin to pursue wisdom. See, Psalms 34.10 says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. They don't like any good thing. That's why we can put our focus and our attention on seeking Him 
and seeking his kingdom and his righteousness because we don't have to worry about all of these other things being neglected. You know, my wife doesn't have to worry about if I'm really seeking God about me neglecting her. Oh, Brandon, you're spending too much time with God, you know, and you're, you're not spending any time with me. No, if I'm really seeking God, then you know what God's saying? Pay attention to your woman. <laughs> Spend some time with your woman. Be nicer to your woman. Buy your woman a purse. Get behind me, devil. And so on. <laughs> you have to discern. You have to know. It's the voice of God. <laughs> I'm joking. My wife isn't in here, so. She has, she has purse issues, man. Issues. It's on our prayer request this week. And uh, anyways, but uh, so when we look at this, well, what are the practicalities? It sounds all grand and good. She got first. How do we do this? How does the rubber meet the road with this? This just sounds kind of, you know, mystical and stuff of seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And so how does this work? So we're just going to look at some basic principles of seeking God first. And one of the first ones we need to understand is that we seek Him always. Now, <clears throat> this means <clears throat> anytime as well as all the time. Because for some reason, this anytime thing is where we get tripped up. You know, well, the, the seeking Him all the time is intimidating. But where we get tripped up is a lot of times of seeking Him anytime. We think that, you know, that if things aren't going just right in our lives, well, we want to just kind of stay away from God. You know, God, I'm going to be over here, you know, kind of hiding away from you, give me a little separation, a little distance, you know. And then once I'm ready to seek God, well, then I'll get myself kind of spiritually scrubbed up, and then I'll really be able to come into the presence of God. No. God wants us, when we're away from God and, and being idiots, that's when we need to seek God the most. And he's like, come to me now. Now, just like you are. And uh, I love it today because I had a guy tell me that he walked here to church on this nice frigid morning. And he said, and I've got mud on my shoes and God don't care. I'm like, boom, you understand it. That is right. We can, we can come the way we are. We can seek him always, all the time and anytime. First Chronicles tells us, sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. And then Psalm 69 says, now here's this one where it sounds pretty jovial, right? This first one. You know, we're, we're singing, we're telling all of his wonderful acts, glory in his name. Let those who's, who, you know, rejoice. This just sounds like a fun one, you know, like you know, just being really up and feeling really good and all is exciting. Let's look at Psalm 69. I am in pain and distress. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but uh, anybody here, you know, possibly walked in in some pain and distress? You know, maybe your new year didn't start as good as other people's new year. Maybe it didn't start like you wanted it to start. You're like, I really don't feel like that first one. But man, I, I totally identify with these first few words. I totally connect on here. I'm in pain and distress. May your salvation, O oh God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord. More 
than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, this sounds funny. What's the deal with this? Well, the Old Testament part, then they used to worship via sacrifice, and they would bring these animals, and they would, they would sacrifice, and that was kind of their ultimate worship. And what he's saying here is this song of praise out of this place of hurt and pain. God takes more pleasure in that than any other religious thing you can try to conjure up. You try to think of the most religiously pleasing thing to God and you worship in him anyways in the midst of your pain and distress. Man, that just, that just blesses God. That's, that's the best offering you can give. The poor will see and be glad. And you who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord, the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Do you remember we talked before about, uh, you know, that the anointing, we talked a few weeks ago about that, that it removes the burden and destroys the yoke. It sets people free. So many times when we are in this place of being captive, a lot of times it's because of our own decisions. A lot of times we didn't make as good of a life-giving choice as possibly we should have. And we find ourselves in a place of being captive. And God does not despise you in that place. You can seek him in that moment. When you have backed yourself into a corner and you know it's your fault and you know you were the, the dummy that got yourself there, you can seek God right there. He doesn't despise you in your captive. He doesn't despise you in your painted cornerness. You can call on him and say, God, what have I done? Help me. I need you right here. And he will delight in coming to you right then and there. You can seek him all the time. As you're coming into this year, if you don't have that in mind, you're going to be up and down. When you're feeling a little spiritual and feeling a little, then you'll seek God. And when you're feeling down and things are, then you won't. But if you understand, you can seek him anytime. And as we look forward to 2011, you can see yourself, no matter what life throws at you, that there's this constancy of you seeking God and pursuing Him. The next thing that we need to look at is that our regular seeking God time, which we ought to have some regular seeking God time. You know, some of y'all, that's this. Some of you, a lot of you, you had, had not been going to church on a regular basis at all. And, all, and now you, you come on Sunday mornings. And that's wonderful. And that is a fantastic beginning. And we don't despise small beginnings. But as you grow in God, God's going to ask a little more of you. And he's going to begin to draw you in in a little deeper way. And you all have a, a, a different kind of regular seeking God time. But in your regular seeking God time, it needs to be when we are at our best. Okay? Now we're going to look at a scripture right here in two, um, in two different translations. Right quick. We're first going to look at it in NIV, Psalm 63 1. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, earnest is that just with everything, that diligently I, I'm really going at it. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then we're going to read it in the King James Version. It says, Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now when you look up the original Hebrew there, it really can be translated. That, that word can, can go either direction. It can go earnestly, it can go early. So now David is the one writing this. Now David might have been an early bird. He may have been one of these guys who pops out of bed and is chipper in the morning. Okay? 
I, I grew up with one of each, okay? My dad, he jumps out of bed, his eyes pop open, woohoo, he's whistling. It's his happiest time of the day. You know, he, that he's just his most chipper during that part of the day. He's just singing his little tune, he's all's going good. Well, guess what? My mom really wakes up about 10 after she's had a few cups of coffee. Okay? They had to learn how to live within the same household with Mr. Chipper and Miss Grumpy in the morning. And so, but then at the end of the day, they had to do it because my mom's best hours were later in the day. And my dad had had a, may have had a rough day at work and he was tired and he was a little more grumpy in the evenings. My mom was a little more chipper. And so, and they had to learn to deal with each other in those moments. And so my, my dad, his best moments were early. And he may have, David may have been that kind of guy. Guess what? I'm wired more like my mother. I'm not this pop out of bed, you know, woo, my eyes open, I hit the ground running. I'm a two snooze man. <laughs> I set my alarm early enough so I can hit the snooze twice and get up when I want to get up. Why? Because I wake up slow. I need that jolt. And if I get up when I'm jolted, it's not pleasant the rest of the day. So I get the jolt, and it takes me out of my sleep, and I hit the snooze. And I lay there, and I slowly kind of warm, like a little furnace. I just slowly, I'm not a microwave. It's not, ping, it's, it's just going to wake up slow. I'm, the a.m. part is not my best time of the day. And so, but when I was in college... And really deciding, I was really seeking God. Well, I had this heaviness on me that if I was really going to be serious about God, I was going to get up early, and I was going to seek God early in the morning. So, man, me and Brandon were living in the high-rise, and uh, so we decided we were going to have 6 a.m. prayer. We were going to be serious. We were going we to seek God, and uh, we were going to get up at 6 a.m., and we were going to have prayer. So we got up, and we went over into the little, little vacant room there in our, on our level, and we would begin to pray. We even had us a nice little list to kind of help us keep on track. The problem was, is we weren't wise enough to go to bed at a decent hour. And so we'd had just a few hours of sleep. And I got, and I spent more of my time repenting because I kid you not, I'd be sitting there praying, oh God, you're so wonderful. You're so good. Macaroni and cheese. Just gibberish. Just absolutely top of mind, stream of consciousness junk just coming out of my, mind, out of my mouth. That makes no sense. And then I would catch it. i go, God, I'm so sorry. I, I, no, I'm not praying that, God. That's, that's not what I meant. You know? And then I look over to Brandon, and he's asleep. I didn't even have to like say, but he didn't even catch me. He's asleep. And so we tried this for a while, and we we're just really seeking God. And, and, you know, and then I'd sit there, and I'd <clears throat> conk out, and I'd do that jolt awake thing. And, go, and then, again, just repent to God. God, I'm sorry I fell asleep on you here. I'm just, no, I really am serious. And so I began to talk to Pastor John about it. It's like, Pastor John, he's like, what are you doing? If that's not your best, you give God your best on everything else. Why would you give him the worst part of your day over some part of where you think it just has to be that way. And man, when he did it, he freed me up to not have to feel like I've got to be up before the sun and trying to my heart and just eking through and having sorry prayer time with God. I guarantee my wife does not want to hang out with me at 6 o'clock in the morning and have our, you know, heart-to-heart conversations. Well, part of it because she's asleep too. And uh, we're wired more alike. We have our conversations late in the evening. 
And, uh, but you know, give God your best time. If you're an early bird, do that. That's fantastic. You know, if your time is in the mid-afternoon, that's when you're awake and you're, you're peak, that's when you're most creative, find a way to take a coffee break, to break away, have some quiet time with God, give Him your rest. If you're a night owl, then you want to do that. Give God some of that time and have that time when you're seeking God and spending time with God. But be, be freed from thinking it's got to be forced into something. It ought to be life-giving. It ought to be bless your life. The other thing you have to know is you have to know that God wants to spend time with you, okay? You're not like annoying God, okay, where he's like got all his big worldwide important stuff and that, you know, you're the little annoying kid, you know, saying, spend some time with me, spend some time with me. No, he wants to spend time with you. He wants to be with you. Acts 17, 27 says, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps even reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He is not far. He is constantly right here. Where she, my wife doesn't have to sit there and hunt me down to spend some time with me. All she's got to do is just turn her attention. God is right here with you all the time. You don't have to find some, some physical locality to go and spend time with God. You don't have to be inside a certain particular building to spend time with God. You don't have to be in some sort, certain thing. God is just right. All you've got to do is just turn and just seek Him. Just spend some time with Him. He's following you around. His presence is here always. Okay? It's not that God's omnipresent so he can keep an eye on you all the time. A lot of people think God is omnipresent so he can just bust you and be on with it. No, God is omnipresent because he doesn't want to miss a second of your life. He loves you. He adores you. He wants to be with you all the time. When you get that in your mind, you all of a sudden begin to view God in a different way. Let's look at the message translation. Well, sorry. I'll skip ahead. Luke 19, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that was lost. See, God is out seeking after us. That's why it works so good when we begin to seek Him. We're on collision course with each other. He's seeking us. We seek Him. Boom, boom. We run into each other. We're there. We're spending time together. It's wonderful. God wants to spend time with you. Then you have to know that God wants to respond to you. A lot of people don't seek God because they think, ah, this is going to be pointless. You know, I haven't been all good and perfect and all that this week, so I'm not going to get what I want anyways. You know, you know, I didn't get my little gold star for being all good. I didn't, you know, didn't read the Bible at all. I didn't even check the blog. I didn't do anything. You know, I, I, I you know, snapped at my spouse and, you know, I shot the bird at this guy driving down the road and, and I've just, you know, I, I've just been a horrible person. And, um, and so, you know, God's not going to respond to me anyways. And but that's just not the case. Hebrews 11.6 says, this is the core. And I loved it because I don't know how y'all read Pastor John's post this week about faith and, and righteousness. Good, good stuff. You need to get on. Um, anyways, but Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I, I like the way the message translation reads this. It says, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. Faith is it. That's the only way. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists 
and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. You know, when we question whether or not God wants to respond to us, we're really questioning his care level. That's really where we're questioning, whether or not he really cares enough to respond to us. And God does. He wants to respond to us. And the last thing as we close down, we need to be aware of the pitfall that comes in that separates us. And there's all, it takes all sorts of fashion, and we could spend a whole sermon on this, and, and it takes all sorts of things. But be aware that ultimately, it's always our pride that keeps us from seeking God. Psalms 10.4 says, In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. Now, we don't like to associate ourselves with that wicked word. Um, you know, that's like people who woo, way worse than us. You know, we got our issues. You know, we all we know we have issues. You know, but wicked people, they've really got issues. You know, their issues have issues, you know, and they're on the other end of the spectrum. No, when we're not walking what what the truth of what God says brings life, the only other part of that is death, and that's what we're we're acting in and death producing. It's it's wickedness. It just is. We have to we have to own that take that that those we produce wicked actions when we're not walking. And God's, that doesn't make us wicked. We're righteous in Christ. Don't, let's not go there. But, um, um, but we do. We need to make sure it's life-giving. And even Jesus says, um, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just. For I seek. This is what Jesus is seeking. This is what Jesus is seeking. I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. He's pushed pride all the way out. See, devil got, the devil got consumed with pride. And that caused his destruction. Jesus shoved pride all the way out. And see, see only what the Father is doing. When we begin to push out just self-seekingness and our own stuff, then we really begin to step into something that really produces life. And you're like, you know what? I really, I don't understand how it's always pride. A, a lot of times I just don't. I just don't feel good enough to seek God. Isn't that humility? Not really. Because when we look at the root of it, what we're saying, when we don't feel good enough to seek God, what we're saying is we're saying we can be so good at being bad that God can't deal with it. You follow me? That we can be so, we can, we can be so bad, we can be really bad that God just can't deal with it. And now all of a sudden we've made our own bad actions bigger than God's goodness. Okay? And that's pride. It comes this back door. And we're saying, well, I'm, I'm really good at this bad thing. And God just can't deal with it. No, God's love, his care is bigger. It is bigger. He's seeking us out. What we want to do this year is seek him. We want to seek him. Because, see, God desires that we have true life. And that life is lived as we seek him first. I want to challenge you this year to begin to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and begin to do something new and different in seeking God. Maybe create a new kind of time. Maybe break out of your routine a little bit. Say, Holy Spirit, guide me in this. How can I seek God in a new and fresh way? Here at the, the, the last week of the, the last week of the month, then I'm, I'm going to ask everybody to already begin to prepare your hearts and begin to think on some level. Okay, now 
This word freaks people out, okay? But the, what I want to ask us to do is to fast. Ah, you want me to not eat food at all? No, 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 no. Chill out, chill out. You can fast from a lot of different things. Some people may fast from chocolate. Some people may fast from certain things. And what I want you to do, what all a fast is, is you're taking something out of your life and putting God in that, that, it, that other thing would normally be there. Okay, we normally associate that with full meals because we spend a lot of our time eating and all that kind of stuff, and we do that, and you can do that, and I'll be doing that. But you can do other things. So what I want you to do is simply say, God, what would you ask me to remove out of my life for this period of time to make a little more time for you? And we're going to do that together the last week of this month. So I would just encourage you to just begin to prepare your hearts. We're not going to jump into it. If you're ready, guess what? I'm starting tomorrow. Anybody wants to join me? You can start tomorrow. And go through the end of the, end of the month. But I'm I'd say I'm what, like most of us, I'd like all of us, the last week to be in to just really seek God together on a greater way. We'll have a prayer list for you to be into some things. We're going to pray together as a church. And um, during that time that you've set apart to, to really seek God. And I'll do a little bit of teaching between now and then of what it means to, to fast and be able to do that in a, a healthy and life-giving way. And, uh, but I would just really encourage you to begin to, to ask God how to begin to set some time apart extra for him.